Welcome to Newsworthy with Norisworthy. Get ready for some awesome. All right, friends, welcome back to the show. Today we have... I got a heart for my friend. Hey, friends, welcome back to the show. Today we have a podcast from Westover Hills Church of Christ, where my good friend Annie F. Downs, author of the new book, Remember God, and I do a live podcast with, uh, with some of our church friends and other people friends. But before we get to that podcast with Annie F. Downs, let me tell you about the sponsor for that this month, who is... Let's go. Family, marriage, and sponsors. God, that's, that's really good. <laughs> Everyone wants to make a difference in this world. Lipscomb University's <laughs> marriage, and, marriage and Family Therapy uh. Master's Program specializes in training people to make huge differences in the lives of individuals, couples, and families. Whether you are a new college graduate, someone ready to make a significant career change, or a minister who wants to expand the scope of your ministry, the Lipscomb Marriage and Family Therapy Master's Degree offers a rigorous 24-month program that can prepare you to become a difference maker. Avery, do you want to be a difference maker in this world? Sure. So you know what you need to do? Go to Nashville, Tennessee, where Lipscomb's Marriage and Family Therapy Program... Annie! Annie! Exactly. And their program is accredited by the Commission of Accreditation for Marriage and Family Therapy Education, which means the program has met the highest and most rigorous accreditation standards in the nation. To find out how you can become a difference maker, visit lipscomb.edu lipscomb.edu backslash MFT or call 615-966-5237 and ask for Kathy Johnson. Now taking applications for fall 2019. Thanks again to everyone who's supported the book, uh, Got Over Good, which just came out last week. Y'all have been outstanding. Thanks for all you who've shared it, who've posted about it, uh, who've retweeted um, especially thank you for those of you who left reviews, uh, Goodreads and uh, Amazon. I, I especially appreciate if any of you have the opportunity to go leave a, a review. If it's a five-star review, leave it. If it's not, check your heart. That's what you need to, you need to check your heart. Um, and don't forget, if you want to have me jump in and do a FaceTime, Skype call with your reading group, if you get 12 of you together and post a picture on Instagram and tag me in it, with the 12 of you having a copy of the book, I will do my absolute best to schedule time that I can jump in and join your conversation for 15 minutes or so and talk about the book. So if you want to do that, uh, tag me on Instagram in that picture. Don't forget Amazon reviews. Now, Annie, you ready to do the podcast? I'm ready for some awesome. You yeah. are ready for some yeah. awesome. We're ready for some awesome. Luke, that's cool that you wore the same thing in the video that you're wearing right now. It's so weird, isn't it? That's so weird. Did you film that today or do you just wear the same thing every day? Today. Yeah, yeah. Today, you wear yeah. the same it thing was every the day. One, the one black shirt I have. <laughs> so <right>. awkward. <laughs> yeah. I'm so embarrassed. Who would have guessed? I had the same shirt on. Hi, y'all. We're so happy to be here. Thanks for being here with us. Uh, if, if you guys don't know, it sounds like most of you know Annie. Who ever knows Annie, right? Yes? That's, this yes. is weird when you make people raise their hands about that. They should. I mean, they should know you. You, you know, the weirdest thing is. What? So I've done a couple hundred podcast episodes with a couple bragging. hundred different guests. You're bragging. Huh? You're bragging. Go ahead. I'm not the one with a poster <laughs> the size of a, a, a To a be band. fair, my face is very large out there. I know. I know. I know. Yeah. <laughs> yes, you've done podcasts. Okay, but I have... Some people come up and they're like, you had Dwight from The Office on. What was Rain Wilson like? And some people ask about him. Some, uh, some who like to be theologically nerdy talk about N.T. Wright. Some of our more mystical friends ask about Richard Rohr. 
But the overwhelming majority... Was that a whistle for Richard Rohr? Yeah. All right, I'll take okay. that. Okay. That's my but kind of people right there. that the majority of people come up and ask me, hey, um, can you introduce me? I want to be friends with... Are they single men? No. No. No, no they aren't. So, okay. No. How come, it's too bad. How many people from your podcast ask about um, being my friend? Because everyone who listens to my pi- podcast asks about being your friend. Does that happen a lot with your listeners? Yep. Of course, Luke. I think, I think the thing is, is that my podcast, your and my podcast are set up a little differently. Yours is an interview show where people aren't sure about your connection with the person on the other side. With you and me, when we're on your show or we're on my show, people are, it's really clear that we're real life friends, that your people are my people, right? And so, but the difference on my show is I only have friends on. And so everyone assumes that we have a real connection. And so they aren't asking like, are you actually friends with Luke? Or so that's the difference. To be fair, N.T. Wright laughs at my jokes now. So yeah, yeah, yeah. He and I are basically best friends at this point. Yeah, for sure. That's what he says too. Really? Yeah, 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 yeah. I asked him because you were over in Scotland, in Scotland. Right? Yeah, that's where that whole video is filmed in Scotland, which is really fun. Really? Yeah. Isn't that cool? It was so cold, and that shirt was not long sleeves. I was freezing. The the photographer would be like, I'm going to count to three and then make a face like you're not cold. (laughs) I was like, (laughs) and my insides were like, Elsa. I was freezing. That's for y'all, frozen reference. That's for my people. See, the video I shot was here in Austin in the summer, and it was like 142 degrees. You chased down that woman who was running. Yeah, I didn't expect her to talk about her deceased father. Nor Um, did I. But I kind of set myself up for that. But I did chase her down. Were you, was your microphone corded to the camera so your video guy was having to run too? Yeah, I turned to yeah, that's my friend annoying. Charlie and I said, Charlie, can you run? He goes, yeah, okay, follow me. And uh, I said, hey, lady. And so I just started running with her and talking. How to many people did you cut from the video that said stupid stuff or inappropriate stuff? The majority of them. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I would bet so. I would bet so. Yeah. That was a full day shoot and we got a minute. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I bet so. People are dumb. Yeah, there was a few that we had to take out. Uh, yeah. 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 I, I'm trying I to believe think how you. many of those I could tell right now. And I you don't like, have to tell any no, of them. No, no, no. I wasn't, there wasn't a part B to the question. I just was part a Yeah. Yeah, you're Did fine. Did you have to bleep out anyone in your video? Just myself. Okay. Just my own. Ba- and those sheep, they are cussers. Yeah. So it was the sheep and me yeah. that were the two that had to really be reined in. That's bad. So, oh, bad. wow. No, that's not going to be Was that worst? recorded? That's yeah. cut that part. It won't be the worst joke I make tonight. <laughs> I know, pal. Sorry. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. Uh, okay. Let's... Let's talk about your book. Okay. You want to do that? Yeah. Do you like how we sat opposite of our books? Because that's real friendship. Do you also like that my mother-in-law came matching Oh my to gosh, your where book is cover. she? She literally has on a dress that looks like my book cover. Yeah, it's so her. beautiful. Yeah. I was like, Luke, your mother-in-law. <laughs> I was like, she loves me. And I'm going to be borrowing that top. Because <laughs> yeah. it's cute. Yeah, she does like you. I know. It's mutual. Um, yeah, let's talk about our books. Do you know what I love? I think you're like only the third person who's given me like a back cover copy endorsement. But it's because if you haven't read Luke's book yet, I got to read it. Well, obviously, before you say things about it, you're supposed to read the books. And so I actually did with Luke's. Usually I don't. But um, I actually did with Luke. And I just loved it. I told, I mean, I'm one of those people, y'all probably know this if we're already friends. Like I would get through two chapters and I'd be like texting Luke, like I'm crying on a plane. I'm crying on a plane. Your book is so good. Cause I didn't know he was a good writer. So now I'm impressed. I, I didn't know that I could write either. Yeah. And I'm still not sure if I can or not either. Well, your editor's great. Well, 
Thank you, Giselle. Yeah, Giselle's so wonderful. it turned out great. But you were one of the first people to read my book. And I this know. is book like 100 for you? Uh, seven. It's seven. the seventh trade book, yeah, like okay. this. Trade book. Well, there's, there's Bible studies and devotionals and other other types of books. This is the seventh like book like this. But like pieces of paper that are stuck together. Yeah. Total with your name on it. How many? Um, like 11. 11. Okay. So, but also I'm a single income household. So mama's got to keep working you with me. So, so give me a life where I don't have to write a book every year and I'll be fine with that. But until then we're going to keep going. But when you write like number 11, like you're like, Oh, this, like people read my writing. Like I'm not Mm -hmm. trying to see if I have any proficiency at this. And no, that's not true. You have to still, because every, I mean, it's, it's like every football game, just because you know the plays doesn't mean it's going to work out the same as it did last time, right? And so every book you write, it's the, you can bring the same skill set, but you are different. You're different working on book two than you were working on book one. Your lives are different. The girls are older. You know, my, I live in a different house. I have different church responsibilities than I did when I wrote the other books. And so, and so this to me, um, it, I brought the same plays as I do with other, as far as like, this is when I discipline myself to write and this is how I sit down and do it and all that stuff. But my life is so different that you never know how the game's going to end up. And so, um, so they are all really, really different. So I'm going to be just as nervous for book two as I was about book number one. It's not going to go away because I would like it to be like, yeah, no, no, that's not encouraging. No, it changes. It changes because you have you every day of this week. So it was really fun when Luke and I found out that we were launching our books on the same day because you don't really get to do things with friends like that very much in this job. Because like when we're out speaking at other events and we're working on a weekend, I'm in so-and-so city and all the other speakers are in other cities. So you're never all together when you're working. And so when you get to release on the same day, we had a couple of other friends release last Tuesday as, or Tuesday as well. It, um, it, you still, so all week long as we were talking, we were having similar feelings. I just knew how to predict them a little bit and you've never experienced them before. So I think you will, you'll know that they're coming, but they, they don't go away, unfortunately, because you still don't know, did I write a book that is answering a question that people are asking right now? And am I, did I give my best self to this work? And will people feel connected to it the way I feel connected to it and the way, you know, cause the problem is that, you know, you can have a book that goes through you and your editor and your agent and 10 friends and it'd be terrible. Right. And you go like, why did no one stop me from being an awful person? Right. <laughs> like that book was terrible. And so that there's still all those feelings every time. But the thing I've seen you do really beautifully this week and in the last few weeks, as we've talked about it is I felt like, well, a, you've been relaxed about it outwardly, if inwardly you've been exploding, I apologize that I didn't know that, but you've been relaxed about, I feel like you, when you finish writing this, you, you're, you're good about this. I've seen it in your teaching and you're good about like, I did the work. Okay. I did the work. I move on to the next work and you aren't, what happens here doesn't determine whether you keep writing. You're writing because you're a writer and you're writing because you have something to teach. And that's really commendable because you're not waiting on a response from humans. You've already gotten your response from God. And he said, keep going. And you are. And I just think that's really awesome. So in case you guys are wondering, this is like a normal interaction. She's basically like my writing coach. Uh, (laughs) This is real life interaction right here. Annie likes to say in real life, we're friends in real life. She still is my writing coach. Just like this. I have an agent, but I feel like you should get part of his cut. I've been thinking that myself. Yeah. So you, you can talk to Greg about that. We live in the same town, me and your agent. So I'll give him a buzz. He's very nice. She's not bitter. No, no, no. It was right. I mean, it's, that's the best thing is that 
in all situations like that, the wrong person is the wrong person. We're hiring someone at our company and we're hiring for a really specific detail oriented job. And we had a call with an applicant last week and she had the time wrong by an hour and a half. And and we were like, we don't need to make this call. (laughs) You're supposed to be about details and you're an hour and a half off. That's a lot. An hour time zones. I can, I can get with you. The half was the joke. I was like, bah. And and you just know it's right. And so that was the same with Greg Daniel. He's a great agent. He just, we just weren't a perfect fit and y'all are. You know, I had an, uh, an agent that I was talking with at the beginning of the, like trying to get the published process. I've, I've been writing for years, but actually like trying to get something done with it was, uh, couple years, I guess. And I, oh. so I, I have this person I'm talking to, I was sending her stuff. We're, we're talking back and forth. I'm in Nashville and I'm speaking at a church and she comes and listens to me. And then afterwards we're talking and she says, Luke, you're, you're funny when you talk, but in your writing, you're like not funny at all. And I was like, Oh, thanks. She goes, yeah, there's a book, but these 20,000 words you've given me, they're not good. Just start over. And I was like, Oh, well, thank you. But that. how many but of those was 20... 100% right. I was about I, to I say, how many of those 20,000 words made it and got over good? No, and here's the thing. Like, none of them. Like, I yeah. really did throw it all out. Yeah. And she was right because uh, she had worked with uh, another author who ha- had a book that did extremely well and did uh, – he had a lot of characters in his book. And so she said, Luke, you've kind of background with this kind of stuff. Put some characters in the book. Talk about people and that, that you know and let them kind of – develop a little bit in the story. And so I started doing that and it really helped a lot. And yeah. so often what, what I found in the writing process is it's not just people say, oh, that's really great. But it's people who say, keep working. Like I, I've got a friend of mine who's in the book, goes by the alias Pen Pal Paul. Yeah. Because he lives in Australia. And my daughters refer to him as my pen pal because he lives in Australia. And uh, true story, until recently when one of my daughters heard in uh, Bible class, teachers talking about Paul. They were thinking about my Every friend, time. Pen Pal Paul That's adorable. Yeah. So. <laughs> I bet I like Pen Pal Paul more than I like Paul from the Bible. I don't know. I struggle with him sometimes. Really? He's so bossy. He is? It's fine. I have a real question. Um, what made this... <laughs> <laughs> I do. What made God Over Good the right book to be your first book? Because it wasn't written as a book. It was written as me processing my own issues. And it was, it, I never sat down with this book to say, this is the beginning, this is the arc, this is the conclusion, these are the questions I want to answer. It was, this is what's going on in my life, and I've got to make sense of these things. Mm-hmm. And so the podcast was always like a testing ground for, I'm going to talk to people who are helping me make sense of my faith. Yeah. And then I'm going to write some of the stuff down as I'm trying to process this out loud. And so you and I have talked before about journaling, and I know you love it, and I don't, but... I like the idea, and that, I think, is really what my, my book is. It yeah. was me trying to make sense of stuff, and eventually, like, I started to put chapters and thousands of words together, and it became this book, but it was never, yeah. hey, I'm going to write this book about expectations. It yeah. was, I, I'm making sense of my faith. Yeah, there you go. Good. Yeah, I think it's a great, I think it's, it's very brave to come out of the gate with a red book. It's a very, like... All right, I'm here. Okay, Luke, we see you. Yeah, but it's also right around Christmas, and so it's a good, like, holiday Sure, gift. sure, sure. Yeah, I'm going to put it on my table with red, green, red, green, red, green. That's it. Just get 10 of them. Yeah. And then... Yeah, purchase 10 for your Christmas decorating. I think that's, that's a great That's one idea. way to move some books, brother. Okay, so one of the things I think is similar in both of our books... They both say God. Is that what yeah. you were going? No, I was oh. going to talk about content. Oh, okay. But they do say this the word God. This feels pretty true to us, you and me. And yeah. they both, like, have our names on it. Yeah, and... yeah, yeah. 
They both have my name on them because <laughs> my name's on the back of yours. Okay, go ahead. Where's my endorsement? I don't. I don't. I didn't do any for this book. I don't love endorsements. Yeah, I don't love endorsements on back covers uh, because yours is so teaching and you have so much to learn from this. And remember, God is like the most personal story I've ever told outside of a small group. And so I didn't want someone going like, I had a great time reading this book by Annie F. Down, signed Jen Hatmaker, right? Like I was like, and I love Jen. She's like one of my people, but I didn't want, I didn't want to see all these people. And you know, here's the thing about this book, about Remember God, is when I first finished it, I mean, I still haven't read it in here. Like I haven't opened one except to sign them. It feels, it feels, it still feels so close that I didn't want, I didn't want people's words on it yet because I didn't want to hear what they had to say. Have you had any vulnerability hangover? Oh gosh, since like January. Yeah. I mean, it feels, you know, the Lord is so kind to us. You just, you can't even believe how kind I think he is, which is funny because the book is literally like, is God kind or not? Because I wasn't sure. But this funny thing, I mean, I've just been terrified about people and their responses to this. I've just thought, what are people going to do? And when we released the pre-sales, you know, you could get a free audiobook to go with it. And so what that means when someone gets an audiobook is that instead of it taking them, you know, two days to read a book, they can finish it in four hours. And so the very night that people got access to it, they finished it. And so I had people right away responding. And it was like my closest reader friends, like the people who've been with me the longest going, giving me their feedback. And that was so soothing because it wasn't like this random public who got to say whatever they wanted. They were my people going like, oh yeah, you've been working on this for two years because we've heard it on the podcast and we've seen it in your writing and and you did good work here, whatever they would say. And, um, And so it really softened my heart toward it actually being a public book. I had no, we could not have known. We just knew that it was right to offer the audio book for free because so many of my friends are podcast listeners. Yep. And, and so we knew that was the right pre-sale gift. I had no idea that it was actually the Lord like whispering an idea to us that was to save my soul. What made you become so vulnerable in this one? Here's the truth, everyone. Um, the rest has been a lie. The, every the other truth. book I have made everything up. Um, no, when, what happens with this book is it was a two book deal and this was the second book, right? So the first book you go in, you know exactly what you're doing and the, and you know exactly what the book is. And the second one, they say summer of 2018 and you go, okay, it's 2015. I'll have a cool life by then. And you have no idea. And so last January, my agent and I went to California. I was speaking out there and she met me out there and we got like an Airbnb to have like a brainstorming weekend. Have I told you this? I don't think I have. And we get those like big white sticky notes and all these little sticky notes and we're going to outline a book. And I said, before we outline this book, I have got to tell you what just happened. I just went to Scotland and England and had the craziest experience. And I, and, and I, and I said, I don't even know if you know this part, this one storyline in my life, but I want to tell you this whole story. So we walk up and down the beach and I tell her for an hour and a half, two hours. And I'm like, isn't that insane? And she's like, that's your book. And I was like, no, that's my life. That's not my book. Like, no, I'm not doing that. And she was like, no, that's your book. And I was like, no, people don't get to know this. This is really private. Like this is the deepest point of pain I've ever experienced. And I was only writing as the timeline of the book goes, I was only about four months behind the book. Um, I was only writing four months behind my life. So before the book finished, I caught up to my life and was like, oh no, we don't have the ending that we want. What do I do? 
right? So that's what made it so vulnerable is I didn't mean for it to be a book. But then like when we went back to the Airbnb, she's like, let's just outline it like this was going to be the book. But I promise it does not have to be the book. And I was like, no, okay. And then she goes, if we were going to do chapters, what would you call them? And what would we do? And then in a, in, you know, five hours, we had the book outlined and she was like, I mean, you don't have to write it, but there it is. <laughs> and I was like, oh man, I'm going to have to write that thing. Yeah, you can and even then she said, you can write it. And if, and if you don't like it after you write it, we'll write it. We'll come up with something else and we'll get an extension and, and we'll figure it out. And then, um, and so that made it vulnerable because I didn't plan it to be a book. I was just telling a story of my life to my, to someone that's really close to me and it didn't end the way I wanted it to end. And that is still hard for me there. I, I mean, the honest truth is I feel some shame around it not ending the way I wanted it to. Why do you feel shame? Uh, it feels like I failed. You also said you felt like somehow you were letting God down because you wanted, you know, your people, your listeners to see what God did to give you the ending that yeah. you felt like this would reveal that God does remember us. Yeah. And then I just didn't have that ending. So I was eating, I'm feeling like crying, telling you about it. I was eating breakfast tacos with a buddy of mine in Nashville. And I was like, what do I do? Like it's due today. And I don't know what to do. Like this isn't the ending that we were supposed to have. It was supposed to be like fancy and fun and, and this like miracle story. And it, and it is, but it's not. And he was like, what everyone needs is for you to keep just telling the truth. And I was like, I don't want to, John. Like, I don't want to tell them that. I want to tell them that, that when you fight through something and you get to the other side, you get exactly what you want. And I didn't. I mean, you know, by that time, you and Lindsay were like walking life with me and I was not getting what I wanted. And it was so painful. And then I was having to finish this book about God's kindness. And I, I felt so disconnected from it. And uh, so, so I think I feel some shame that... I wanted it to end in a certain way because I wanted to look like we had won. And, the, and in my head, when I started the book, oh, I know what he'll do. And, he did, and it just didn't happen that way. And so, but isn't that probably closer to real life? Yeah. Is that we just don't always get what we want. And we still, and that doesn't change God's character. Yeah. He still is who he says he is. How'd you do this in front of all your church? It's the Oprah moment, right? Can I yeah, just... <laughs> Yeah, you're welcome. It didn't plan well for me. You know, I should have thought through that because you cried, I believe, three times in the audiobook. Yeah. Over I under did. three? Three. It's yeah, three the push. I, I cried three times. Right. And so, I ad libbed. Did you ad lib at all in yours? I didn't do an audiobook. What? <laughs> hey, I'm, Greg Daniel, get your guy an audiobook. <laughs> <laughs> you mean, should have an audiobook. I mean, mine is hardback, but you know, yeah. it doesn't matter. <laughs> But Fair. Fair. Um, you you should do an audiobook and then ad lib it. You get to say whatever you want. Nobody checks. I know. I, you're having a lot of fun with that. Literally nobody checks. You can say whatever you want. You could do an entire middle chapter just on yourself and your life. No one checks. No one checks? Nobody checks. That's very interesting. Nobody right? checks till it's already downloaded by 10,000 people and or whatever. Like, and then they're like, well, like, yeah. Okay, uh, going back to the story doesn't end the way you want it. I think it becomes more human, though. Yeah. Because if you gave us this sort of Pollyanna answer. Yeah. What do you think when you heard the end? I mean, well, you lived the end. You lived the book with me. But, what? I mean, so were you I, disappointed in me? No. No. I, I thought it was more honest. I thought there was the, 
you have this story you tell about another Bible teacher at a conference, and you ask the question, is God kind? Yeah. And the person says, well, you know, God's kindness isn't always the way we would do kindness. Woof, right? And you just want to be like, hard pass. Yeah. Hard pass. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, I see... You're the worst. Be, yeah. Because what that does is just be, pushes our humanity away. Yeah. And it creates this sort of, how are you? Oh, the Lord is faithful, and yeah. I am too. Right? Like, it's, it right. creates a sort of... <laughs> the Lord is faithful, and I am too. <laughs> it, it dehumanizes us, because it wants, like, us to put push away what is the honest human experience. Yeah. The honest human experience is that Jesus, with tears in his eyes, said, Father, take this cup away from me, Mm -hmm. but not my will, but thy will be done. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's the prayer that all of us have to pray at some moment of our life is, I want kindness to look like this. I want goodness to look like this. Yeah. It's different than changing the definition. It's deciding what the, you know, like, there's one thing with what that Bible teacher said to me about, like, um when I asked her, is God kind? And she said, well, he defines kindness different than we do. And I was like, no, that's not how language works, right? Like there's a definition of kindness. Is he fit that definition or doesn't he? And, and what I've found is that the definition can be the same. It's our, it's what you write. It's our expectations that are different. It's the lenses we see our life through. If we're looking at our life, assuming he disappoints us, that is what you will see. If you look through glasses of, I, I don't understand, but I'm going to assume the best of him. I'm going to assume that he's kind. I'm going to assume that he is good. And then that is what you see, even if your circumstances aren't exactly what you hoped. Yeah. You tell a story about being at the, the Ryman. Am I saying it right? In Nashville? Yeah, yeah. So you tell this great story about uh, the backstory. It used to be kind of like a churchy kind yes, of thing? Yes, dude. It literally exists. The Ryman Auditorium literally exists in Nashville because in the late 1800s, there was a revival on Broadway, which is like our 8th Street, 6th Street in Austin, 6th Street. So I 8th Street's different. I don't want to go. Yeah. Um, but it's like uh, there was a revival happening and there was a riverboat. There were a lot of gambling riverboats and, and one of the captains was getting so mad because he was losing players because people were getting saved like crazy. A fifth of the city got saved in this one revival. I mean, that's insane. So there he's getting uh, frustrated. So he comes to confront the guy who's preaching and he ends up getting saved, the riverboat captain. And so then he starts using his gambling boats as uh, hospitals to help people. And then what ends up happening is so many people want to hear this preacher. There is nowhere to for him to preach. So the starts, riverboat yeah. captain builds the building and it's the Ryman because the guy's name was Tom Ryman. That's the riverboat sorry. captain. No idea that story. Isn't that awesome? Okay. And so, so now, hold on, let me hold on, take hold on, a hold, no, 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 I'm going, I got this. I got this. Lindsay, help me. I got this. Talking about choosing to see God. Yes. Okay, you tell a story at the Ryman. Yeah. I think it's second time you cried in the book. The yeah, 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 yeah. You're at a, at a show? One of your yeah, friends? Yeah, at is, Hillary what? Scott's show. Yeah. Yeah. She does the earrings, right? Does she? Her sister Kendra does that. Oh, you're, that's great yep. knowledge. For There's a few women who are really impressed and the yeah. rest of us. No. It's fine. Okay. Whatever. So she's, I love Kendra. Hillary. Okay, so she, Hillary's playing, doing yeah. a show, whatever. Yeah. Antebellumine. Yes, that that's right. She's in Lady Antebellum. She's the lady right. Antebellums. Right. Is that right? Yeah, you're exactly okay. right. You got it. But you say in that, like, she sings a song and you choose to, choose to be aware of God in that. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so it's... This is the flip of, well, God's kind of not like how we think. That's God right. has his own definition. No, 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 that's not the move. The move is to say, I'm going to flip my perspective. Yeah, to that's be aware. right. That's and so it's right. going to be, I'm going to see my friend performing, and in the show, I'm going to be aware of God. And yes. Even when kindness doesn't mean that, so you, love life, love life is 
in the in the book. Yeah, that's right. Doesn't go the way you want it to. That's right. The list that you want to end up New York Times bestseller doesn't work out the way you that's want right. it to. Kindness is not that, but you're aware of the kindness because the conclusion. Don't mean to give the book. Away. I mean, it, I already already cried about it not ending the way we thought it would end. Yeah, but, I didn't hit New York Times. But I didn't it's fall not in love those, with but anybody. It's like this beautiful prayer. Yeah. Right. And so. Yeah. Did you like? Did that like? We there's this moment in a cathedral in England, and I really won't spoil it, but this. Uh, archdeacon of the Durham Cathedral prays this thing about about the love of God being passed through written word. As I'm starting the book, the day I start writing the book, he says that he prays that. And yeah, I mean, that's, that is what you see is over and over these places. And that's when the, re- one of the central themes of the book is cathedrals, right? Because for, for us in Nashville, the Ryman is a cathedral. It is a remembrance of who God has been for us. When we are praying for revival in Nashville, we point to the Ryman and go, do that again, God, right? Do what you did. You can even do it in that room again if you want. We'll show up for it. And, and that's the truth of that cathedral in Durham. And I mean, no one's going to drive by this church and be like, church or Ikea, right? Like they know this is a church and they recognize that y'all have built this building because once a week, probably more than because you have programs, but for sure on Sundays, people come here and gather to remember who God really is so that the other six days when the world tries to tell them different, they have a place to tie back to. Right. And that's what we have to do in our life. Cause it, and, and for me, it's, it's, it was happening in a couple of different areas in my health, in my relationship life and in work, everything was kind of having a bad spot when in a year where I thought things were going to go really well, I was having this like bad, 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 bad. And so I had to keep going back to things like Hillary singing at the Ryman of going like, okay, I am going to have to tie myself to this to this moment and believe that God is who he says he is and that he will do what he says he will do. I, I love your stuff about the cathedrals. There's yeah. a line you have in there about uh, cathedrals withstand the wind and the rain and the doubts. Yeah. That was a good one. Thank you. You have another line about doubts in the book that God is able to withstand or God is able to deal with my doubts. I didn't know if I was able. Yeah, that's right. Did you feel doubt. that too though with some of your expectation stuff? Because I think... For those of us who grew up in the church, particularly, particularly edit, um, there is this thing of, uh, am I even allowed to ask what I'm thinking? Am I even allowed to say this expectation, this thing I have going on? If I say this again, it it was, it's what you said. And it's what I wrote in remember God. I never was worried about God's ability to handle my questions. I was way worried about what would happen to my faith if I really asked him. You know, that was my concern. But we, we have a mutual friend, Aaron um, Nequist. And Aaron, when we, Luke and I met about a year ago, and we met at this event. event. <laughs> we met at... Um, the Jason Palooza. Jason Palooza is what it's called. Um, and Aaron was there. And Aaron has been such a friend that's kind of stepped in and gone like, yeah, what if you ask the questions? What if you, what if you push past your fear that you are going to fall apart? I, I don't think I can break Christianity, but I can sure break me. You know, and, and that was my fear. I, I think God is more afraid of us stopping the conversation. Right. It's like, That's good, Luke. It's like when in high school football, you remember high school football? I do. If you're, I watched a lot of it. If, you're, if your guys. coach yells at you, it means your coach sees that you have potential. If your coach ever stops yelling at you, it's because he's given up on you. Mm. I think the same thing is true with God. If, if we stop expressing our uh, frustration and disappointment and heartache, it's because usually we've given up on God. 
And I think God is able to withstand our doubts more than we are. I think that's exactly true. I, I think some of us don't feel like we have permission to. And that lack of permission, I think, creates this sort of like immature and simplistic relationship. Because yeah. a- any relationship involves the other person expressing to you their frustration. Like, right. this is how it's not going how I want it to. This is how I think we need to work on this. That's a normal conversation in a relationship. I think God expects and desires that sort of intimacy with us too, that we can have this sort of honest, genuine interaction. Um, I, I guess the thing with the vulnerability hangover that I had about the book is, yeah, yeah let's, I want to put it all out there. And, and, and the reason I did that is because I wanted to model that this is what it can look like to do that. Like, mm-hmm, I, mm-hmm. These are the things I struggle with. And so I'm like, great, I'll, I'll share with everyone else. That's whatever. Yeah. But, but more than that, it's unless you vocalize it, unless you verbalize it, then always it stays internalized. And yeah. when it's not verbalized, it's usually not worked through and it's not developed. You don't get to see all the other perspectives on it. Right. And you got to get it out there. You said last Sunday when you preached afterwards, you said it was the most vulnerable you'd ever been on stage. True. <laughs> Why? I literally got sick afterwards. My voice is like this because my body's like, hey, you're not supposed to talk that much about yourself. Yeah, you're very, you, you have, Luke's wife says he has a man cold, <laughs> which I think is excellent. Um, why, what was it about last Sunday? Was it knowing that the book was coming? Was it, because you said, I got it out there and I modeled for people. And I think that's the difference in you being a uh, pastor by profession. And I'm a right, you're a pastor who writes, I'm a writer who pastors, right? And so your core is being a pastor. And so you're leading with your writing in a different way than I'm leading with my writing. Yep. What made last Sunday so vulnerable? And what were you modeling for your people then? Ooh. I mean, it, I, I, I don't know. I, when I was putting this series together in the summer, like this is the text that, that I feel like needed this story to be told. Um, I don't know what made me be stupid enough to do that. It just happened. And um, honestly, so I talked a little bit about like my faith struggles last Sunday in my sermon, which is some of the stuff that I talk about in the book. But um, at the end of the sermon, I was supposed to tell a story about Julian of Norwich, who has um, this amazing line where she talks about, and this is when like the bubonic plague has killed everyone around her. And she writes these beautiful words, and all shall be well, and all shall be well. It's beautiful. And actually... Um, Melissa Green, who's a Nashville person, yeah. she wrote a song based on this poem, and we actually had one of our vocalists ready to go and to sing that song. They've been working on it for weeks, and then I just felt like I was supposed to do something different, and so really? I, I talked about uh, when Audrey was in the hospital this summer, and um, those two days that we thought that our daughter had leukemia, and I, I felt like... Like, that was the moment. Because in a lot of ways in the book, I start off with the metaphor of I'm in a service and I can't sing about God's goodness. And then in probably like the worst two days of my life, I would say, um, that somehow in that, a song was just coming out of me. Not because, like, I wanted to. It's not because I was intentionally choosing to sing, but because, like, I I felt this presence that, that God isn't just in the good circumstances. God isn't just when everything's going the way I wanted to. It's not when, you know things are just going perfect, but it's, it's in the worst moments that God is, is in those too. And I think the good news is not that I always get God to reveal God's kindness in the way that you, your metaphor, or in the way I would talk about, like the goodness of God. It's not when it's always the way I want it to, but it's that, that God is in the worst things with me. And I feel like that's, that's the essence of incarnation. 
Yeah. Is that word becomes flesh and, and, and steps into the darkness of humanity yeah. and stays there with us. And I feel like that's more compelling than just a Pollyanna ending of, and they walked down the aisle and lived happily ever after. Yeah. Like those are great things. But I feel like the good news is bigger than that. Yeah. Is God's goodness and God's kind, that's, are God's goodness and God's kindness different or the same? Younger Luke would have probably parsed those out and argued with, like, okay, this I'm is not here to fight you. No, 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 I don't think we're fighting. I'm You're just telling you. You're much stronger than me. Thank you. Well. Thank you. That means a lot to me. <laughs> I mean, I might not have a 14 by 14 poster of myself, but <laughs> I've got weights in my garage. Um, I don't even have a garage. Go ahead. When you talk about God, everything is metaphor. Everything is metaphor. And earlier Luke would have tried to parse and let's, nuance, let, let's get rid of all the nuance and let's just define this black and white, yes and no, up and down, left and right. Mm-hmm. When we describe who God is, it's all metaphor. We say God is father. Well, does that mean God is male? And well, okay, the most dominant metaphor in scripture is that God is father, but God transcends gender. And when we say uh, that Jesus, when, when Jesus has to describe who Jesus is in the book of John, I'm the way, truth, and the life. I'm the good shepherd. It's my favorite series I've heard you do, by the way. If y'all haven't heard it, Luke did a series of all these metaphors of who yeah, Jesus is. Seven times. Jesus Last spring. Yeah, the seven I am statements in John. Yeah. Um, thank you. It's very good. I wouldn't just say that. It's a really great series. I loved it. Did we get her saying that? Let's say it again. <laughs> yeah, that'll get um, you real far in the world. This one time, this girl said. I, I put Continue you doing on. that on the back of my book in the hopes that it would get me far. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Actually, Baker put you in the back of the book. That's because right. they Thank thought you, Baker. You would, I would have put you in the front. Right? That's what I was saying. Um, when Jesus describes what he is, he has to use metaphors. And so good or kind, I feel like we're getting at the same thing. Like, is, yeah. is God this benevolent force that is for us, that, mm-hmm. that, that is pushing everything forward? Like the, the line that uh, Dr. King made famous, but the moral arc of the universe is long, but it bends towards justice. Like, is God the thing that's bending this thing towards making it right? Mm. And that's what I think, yeah, I think that's, that's what That's really is. good. I've never read that quote. I know that doesn't shock you. I don't read a lot of quotes, but that's a really good one. You always have good references, and I'm always like, this one time I heard on a subway. <laughs> no, I don't know. I, like, read a sign. <laughs> Subways in Nashville. In Nashville, right? That's the weird part. <laughs> I make all of it up. That's awesome. You're doing great. Thanks. Appreciate you. Yeah. But you like journaling more than me, and yeah. I like quotes more than you. That's real. There we go. But together, I still think you could journal. Have you? Did you do it by hand? I wonder if Evernote would be better. You know, I had. I, I'm not saying that I liked this person's suggestion more than yours, <laughs> but I did. Like I don't Clearly. need to say that. But I did a podcast with uh, a gentleman named Craig Rochelle. Oh yeah, he who is well, def- he's stronger than me for sure. My daughter's and me. thing. Yeah, both of us combined. Yeah. Definitely. Seriously. Big he's arms. so beefy, yeah. Yeah, he's... He is. He's also an incredibly good pastor, so I think anything Craig Groeschel tells you to do, you should probably do. He had a journal that can give you, like, I think it was, like, five lines at the most, and I thought, oh, yeah, it's like a tweet for a day. I can yeah. do that. I didn't, but I thought in the moment, oh, yeah, yeah Craig, I'll do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Partly because I was scared of him. I yeah, thought he sure. might try to fight me if I don't agree with him. That's right. You know what is interesting about men like Craig Groeschel and Rick Warren and Andy Stanley? I feel like they're the generation right above us in leadership. Maybe there's one in between, but 
they're the leadership generation that is kind of thinking about what it's like to pass off what they're doing and, and hand off the baton well. And man, those, I have been real up close twice with pastors who didn't finish well. And watching these men, and it doesn't mean they don't make mistakes. And, you know, we may regret saying one of those names in six months. I I pray to God we don't. And I don't think we will. I think they're super um, high integrity men. But um, I just think it's really interesting to watch. I watch them less about leadership and more about perseverance. Like, how do you, how do you stay in this till the very end? Because what I saw up close twice were, were men who, and I've seen women fall in their own ways too, but I've watched two pastors up close lose everything, including their, well, their jobs, their, the respect, their, their, um, what's the word there? Like what they're known for. Legacy. Did someone say that to me? Thank you. Their legacy. And um, I just watched Craig Groeschel and I go, man, there's, there's something you're doing in the secret that is keeping you close to God. And I want you to teach me that. I want you to teach me what nobody sees that is keeping you. Because I'm not ever going to be a Craig Groeschel, but I'm going to be an Annie forever. And I, and I don't want to get taken out of this game by sin or by, um, or by disappointment or, or just by a failure to be strong enough to finish the race. And so I look at Craig Rochelle and I go, teach me, teach me what's going on in secret. Cause what's going on in secret is what's keeping men like them and women like a Beth Moore or a Christine Kane, or, a, you know, there are these women who are that age too, Joyce Meyer or, um, uh, Kay Arthur, Shelly Giglio. There are these women that are in their 50s, 60s, 70s. And I'm going, I, tell me how you didn't quit. Okay. In the book, you tell a story of when your pastor abruptly resigns yeah. And you just got in LASIK. And so you yeah. finally... See it was clearly. my first Sunday without glasses since yeah. third grade. Yeah. And so there's a neat kind of like metaphorical thing that's happening. Like you yeah. can literally see him, but also you can like actually see something that you haven't seen before. Yeah. And you describe like you're sitting on the pew. Like yeah, I was like, sitting like just here. Yeah, Jason yeah. with the, the LA yes. Dodgers hat on. That Jason. was you. His wife is Stephanie, but he yeah. hates when he... He just dropped his ring in the front there. I don't know if he's upset about it or not. But no, she's sitting. wonderful. I signed a book for her. Yeah. No, it's, but it's, it's really right there on the floor. Oh, wow. Well, yeah. you might want that. Yeah, I didn't mean to call him out. But, Once you, you know. get those, you should keep those things, man. Yeah, anyway. So you were sitting where Jason was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You weren't dropping things trying to distract services. No. <laughs> but you were sitting there, and he resigns. and. Yeah, he literally, our pastor literally, founder of the church, walks up on a Sunday morning, says, I can't do this anymore. I'm never coming back, and leaves. And we have like a church of 7,000, five campuses. I mean, it was, it was shocking. And there was no um, plan in place. There was no idea of what was going to happen next. You seemed betrayed. The way yeah. I heard it, it yeah. just felt like that. I did feel that from him. Mm. Um, I do feel that from him. I, uh, it, I don't want to talk about, I don't want to talk about him. Yeah. But when you're talking about other... T- we're talking about pastors who failed and does that come from you don't want others to feel what you felt the pastor you have now is the guy who wrote the foreword for the yeah, book yeah kevin kevin queen yeah. and mcqueen as you like to call him i like to call him mcqueen <laughs> it's not his name his name is just kevin queen i feel like a mick would be like a nice touch so <laughs> i'll su- i'll put it in the suggestion box pastors love those definitely they do yeah i know they definitely I know do. do so do authors 
I think you're right. Thank you. So, Kevin, Pastor Kevin. Pastors play a big role in your life. In the way yeah. that you're, you describe your story. There's another time you talk about um, a season where you, you call a guy, you're sitting outside a coffee shop, he's sitting outside while his wife is shopping. And yeah, 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 yeah. Transition. You remember you're this reaching. book so well. Thank you. Yeah, that's yeah. And so for me, it isn't that um, it isn't that I when I'm thinking about finishing well, I'm not thinking about because all these people are watching and I don't want to make them feel what I feel. Though that does play into this, I'll tell you about story about that in just a second. But what I actually think is, I only get to be a human like this one time, and I want to finish. I do not want to get taken out of the game. I am so quick to sin. And I am so quick to give in to temptation. And I am so quick to, um, to let discouragement win that I have to fight all of that. And, and, I, and, and I just see a path in my life where if I quit fighting, I get taken out real publicly. And I don't want, I don't want that. I don't want, I, I don't want that. I want to, it doesn't mean I'll have a public life forever, but I want my private life forever to be near to God. That's what I want the most. Okay, so I recorded a podcast the other week. Why did I want to tell you this? Let me think of what made me say this to you. Oh, this is, here's the lesson is I want to learn things on the receiving end, right? So like from the pastors leaving, I go, I don't ever want to make somebody feel that way. I would rather learn that because someone made me feel that way than I did that to them. Uh Right. So I was recording a podcast with a musician about a year ago and, uh, we were doing it over Skype. Have I told you this? We were doing it over Skype and he thinks we've hung up. And I'm not gone yet. And then he talks about me. And I heard the whole thing. And then the whole room goes silent on his end because he has like other band people. He has other people in the room on Skype. The whole room goes silent. And then I hang up. And I was like, I'm glad I learned this. Here's what I learned. There is not a time that dishonoring someone is wise. Yep. Because I was still right there. Yep. Right? And that's why we don't ever have P. Diddy music in our church. (laughs) That's a good joke, but you should have picked a better musician. You should have gone with, that's why Michael W. Smith (laughs) hasn't ever been on the podcast. It wasn't Michael W. Smith, I promise. He's a very good man. Um, This dude is a good man, too. He just had a moment where... And so I'm like, man, I'm glad I learned this one time. And I'm glad I was not the one having to, because I got an apology phone call. Mm -hmm. Because everyone realized what had happened. Yeah, the phrase I use is like borrowing pain. Oh, that's beautiful. I want to beautiful. borrow the pain from, from that yes. so that I don't have to yes. feel it myself. Yes, that's right. That's right. I'll, I'll the, borrow the shame. Yeah. <laughs> I'll just take on that embarrassment and go, I'm glad you made me feel that and I didn't make you feel that. That's also a very Enneagram 7 thing to say. Oh, like, I don't really want to feel the pain, but I'll like, oh, I'll think about that yeah, so I that's don't have right. to feel it. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Okay, I feel like we should start like wrapping it up. Okay. So, um, yeah, because there is a good surprise after this. Right, so you can, you can wrap it up first. What do you want to say? Talk serious. I don't, I don't have anything serious. I, I don't have a way I want to. I have something I want to say. Okay, then okay. I'll, let's do a game after. Okay, a game? Sure. Yeah. Uh, I think your people, your Westover people know this, but, but I think one of the things I saw observing you get toward a book launch is the attack on y'all's lives from all these different areas increased drastically. And, and it, it was clear that the work y'all, you are doing, it matters because you're getting pressed in on every side but not crushed. And I feel like I, I, and so I just want to make sure Westover people know that your people, that we, we as your people get to pray for you as you put this work out and as you put your family and yourself on the front lines, we need to be surrounding you 
And so that's my like encouragement. And I'll say it again Sunday morning, if you'll let me. That's my encouragement is that it's a, it's a new day for you, um, which requires new levels of prayer and new levels of intimacy for you as a Luke with God. But it also um, is a new opportunity for us to cover you more intentionally with prayer because your, your words matter to our planet. Your preaching matters and your books matter and they're going into hands of people you'll never meet and you're changing their lives. And so we get to pray for you and cover you in that. And, and you've done a beautiful job of, of looking, oh, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine. But if someone zoomed out on your life and went like, oh, that, that all happened in four days. You know, that, I mean, that, and I told you it when it was happening, but I'm a little more charismatic than you. I was like, this is the devil. I know it. I see him. It's the devil doing this to you. But I would say some of that was the devil. <laughs> and, and some of that is just pure discouragement meant to stop you from doing what, the thing you're on this planet to do besides and after loving God and loving your family and your people. After that, there's this really impressive and important calling on your life. And, and I'm going to continue to pray for you as your friend because I don't want you to get taken out of this game. I want you to finish well because you're doing really well. So that's what I want to say. This is why I keep her around. This is, this is why. <laughs> that and that your kids really like me. They do. That helps. And your wife. We're all really good friends. Yeah. I think. And your mother-in-law dresses to match my book cover. So I'm going to have to consider that every time I do a book now. So that's how I wanted to finish. What game do you want to play? I feel like, like after that, like I feel like I shouldn't like play a game because that was all serious and stuff. Okay. I can say a fun thing. Okay. Do, say a fun thing. Do you all know that we have gelato for you? After this? So if you want gelato, uh, you're making signals at me. Say it again. Thumbs up. It's a thumbs up. Um, I'm going to call an audible. Are you ready? What is that? You're the one who played football. Thank you. The women are like, what? No, what is We the know what that is. First of all, let's not stick to gender stereotypes. There's some it people- was actually female voices. I know what an audible is. Like, what is the audible? That's We're going to was... pay for their gelato. We are? Yeah. Yay! So y'all can have free gelato. Don't, oh, awesome. don't, don't run us out of house and home, but just, get you some gelato on your one. way out. Share it if you're with someone. Just share it. No, no. Okay. You can have your own cup. You can have your own cup. You don't have to go twosies in a cup. But recycle the cup, but right? it really means a lot to us that y'all... And I'm joking about calling it audible. This was obviously very planned. Luke knows. And <laughs> Luke, we did... Sure, <laughs> but we just it, this is we wanted to get together and and chat about our books and we wanted our friends to be there and the best parties have something to eat and so we wanted to make sure we had some sort of treat for you so we will be out there our books are there if you haven't gotten them yet sign we're happy to sign and take pictures and do all the things but also make sure you get some gelato for yourself and you do not have to share with anyone you get your own bowl because you're you're your own person you just get your own bowl mm-hmm. okay that's, that's fair. Get your own bowl. Except you. Well, you're an ice cream guy, so I'm not paying for yours. Because you're going to go like, let me try each of those and then swipe my credit card. And I ain't feeling that. That hurts. That hurts. Last Sunday night after church, what did you do? After you've been vulnerable all day, what did you do? Say it. Actually, I didn't. I ate a cauliflower pizza. That's pathetic. And then you were going to eat ice cream. I did, but I stopped. I didn't. You didn't eat any? I don't think so. I don't, I might have, I don't know. <laughs> I was just like, all these feelings, what should I do with them? I don't know. Um, 
Maybe I do. I'm I allergic know. to dairy, so ice cream's out for me. So, but gelato isn't. Whoop, whoop. There, yeah. I bet there's some. I bet surely there's no way the people who work with us brought an entire ice cream truck and that were all dairy, or I'm going to fire everybody. Sure. Yeah. Your people and my people. Eliza will be Biza. Yeah. So, <laughs> Eliza see. will be Biza. Oh my gosh, that's really funny. I mean, I would never do that. Chelsea, don't panic. She, I would never do it. She. But she that's did a, refer to you because you can't eat dairy as the Dairy Queen. The Dairy Queen, which I appreciated. So, okay. Th- thank you all for being here. Uh, Annie will sign your... Even if you bought the book on Amazon, she will sign yeah, it for, for sure. you. Yeah, uh, for sure. As long as you go leave a five-star review while you wait in line. <laughs> no, that's, that's not thing. true. So, uh, that's thank not you true. so much. Uh, Annie, wait, can we, like, pray before we go? Yeah. I think Let's just pray. Yeah. You want to pray or you want me to pray? You pray. I'll pray. We'll just pray. Here's what we're going to pray for. We're going to pray for Luke and for Annie. Y'all can do that. We won't do that part. Um, but we'll just pray that God will put these books in all the right hands. That is what is always true. Is that, And you know this from your life. When you get the right book at the right time in your hands, it changes your life. It doesn't have anything to do with the author. It has to do with the author of life putting the right book in your hand at the right time. And that is the only reason we do this. Is because maybe somebody will get saved. Right? Maybe somebody will go from darkness to light. And, um, and that's what we want, right? How about this? I'll pray for you and your book and you pray for me. And mine and everything else. Okay, but we're not going to like popcorn and we're not going to like squeeze hands or any of that stuff. You're going to go and then I'm going to go and we're going to be done. We're not going to go back and forth. I, who said we're going to back I'm and just, forth? I'm just covering all the Christian-y things. We're not doing any of them. You're the one who's, hey, let's stop and pray before we leave. Tell me a time that prayer is wrong. There isn't one. But popcorn prayer, the answer is always. So, and the hand squeezy business, I hate that so hard. Don't make us go in a circle and I can't go. Any, any more details about how I should pray? <laughs> hey, nope. You're the pastor who writes. Okay. I can't. I don't say. All right. Let's pray. Uh, God, I thank you for Annie. I thank you for the blessing that uh, she is uh, to Lindsay and I and our girls and to our friends and our family. Uh, I thank you for the, for the good work that you are doing to remember God. Uh, I pray that this book would help people connect to your kindness even when the list that they've drawn up of what they want their life to be isn't delivered to them. I pray that you would teach people how pain can be a blessing. I pray that through this book that you, uh, that you would heal hurt and disappointment and that you would bring your goodness. Uh, I pray that for those of us who have unresolved stories of conclusions that we haven't reached yet, Uh, that this book would be an encouragement. It would be a a cloud of witness. It would be just one person testifying that you can keep going because I did too. And God, I pray that you would bless the vulnerability that Annie has displayed for us in this book and so much of her work. And we pray this in your name. Yeah, and Lord, we just thank you for Luke and his family and the way that they have given their lives to you. Um, God, we just thank you that you have put a call on his life and on Lindsay's life and on the girls' lives that, that, um, that will bring glory to your kingdom. So God, we pray that any, um, anything that the enemy sets up to block that, you would tear down. Would they live um, these days feeling almost visibly protected by you? Would, they, um, would their home be extra safe and secure and feel warm? Would you protect their relationships, their friendships? Um, in this church. And God, would you draw Luke closer to you than he's ever been? 
would he just experience you in a new way because of the work he's done and because of the way he's pours himself out week after week for, for you and for this congregation. And God, we ask that um, God over good would go into so many hands that don't know you, that the red cover would like jump out on a shelf to people who do not know who you are, but think you might be good. And would you, um, yeah, would people just see the real you through Luke's work? Would this book lead them to the podcast, lead them to church? Would it just be the start of a journey they go on to find you and find out that you are who you say you are? And um, we just love you. Thanks for these friends who joined us tonight, God. Thanks that uh, Luke and I don't have to do this alone. We are really grateful for our people. And we love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, get some gelato. Your own cup. Get your own cup. Thanks for checking out Newsworthy with Norsworthy. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. You are now adjourned.